You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I'm a mark, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and we're going to continue on with our uh, what we're doing in July, where it's the Ask the Commissioner. I guess today it's Ask the President, as I'm uh, joined by the president of the Saskatchewan uh, Junior Hockey League. That's Bill Chow. Bill, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Uh, very good, Guy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you making the time, and I've been joking with all my uh, other guests that, uh, for me, July is pretty much the only off-season or off uh, uh, uh the the off season of my hockey calendar at least because uh, not there's no games going on or anything but I, I'm finding out that for everybody that runs leagues July's pretty busy I assume it's the same for you yeah well you know I think uh, I think if you're not doing work in July you might get caught uh, a little bit short in September and October so hmm. uh, now's the time to get things ready for the coming year and uh, that's just the way it goes and uh, like I said, it's it's uh, you're better to be on top of it than wet, uh, letting it run you over. Uh, that's a good policy for sure. Uh, before we get to what's coming ahead uh, this coming season for the SJ, let's uh, look back at the season that was. What were some of the highlights for the SJHL this past year? Well, I think our parity, and I think our parity has been uh, really great uh, for the now last past number of years. Uh, you know, I think you know we kind of reshaped our playoff format a number of years ago as well, and in which, uh, you know, I mean, our, our divisions are used to be a north-south situation where, mm. you know, in, in theory, you could take off your, you know, if you were a south team going north, uh, those those points really didn't matter. So you could take a couple of those games off, and as, as long as you stayed ahead of the teams in your division, well, then you'd probably make the playoffs. But we changed that uh, a couple of years back, and what we do now is uh, – Everybody uh, for for the playoffs, uh, your, your points are all the same. They're all in the you, numerically, uh, so it's uh, the top points are seeded first, and whoever's last is last. And so all the points mean a lot, and uh, all the games mean a lot. So there's no date nights off. So that's interesting, uh, and this is fairly unique, I'm guessing, across the CJHL. You have it's a 12 team league. You have three divisions of four teams, but when it comes to playoff seeding, you have you rank them one to twelve. Correct. That's what we do. And uh, uh, this year we've changed, uh, moving ahead. I mean, I'm jumping ahead on you on this one, but uh, we used to have what we used to call a wild card series, and it used to be uh, 11 and 12 team would be eliminated, but teams 7 through 10 uh, would have a best of three wild card series, and then the, the teams that won would come back in and be seated 7th and 8th. But uh, this year we've gotten uh, there's going to be no longer the wild card, so it's even going to be more competitive uh, because it's the top eight teams that make it, and uh, you know so that means four teams are eliminated. So it's going to be tough down the road, and uh, you know we've had uh, seasons where it's the last week of the year before the final playoff spots are are figured out. So it'll be competitive again this year. Oh, that's uh, that's really interesting. I kind of like that change. Now you did make that the initial uh, where you went from two conferences to three divisions. I think that was after the 2013 season, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it's it's uh, produced the results that you wanted. I think so. You know, I uh, you know what it was about was, I mean, the divisions are important. Uh, you know, for the teams to play within their own divisions, and and you know they're playing uh, some rivalry games within those divisions, and and uh, you know that part of part of the hockey season. But again, you know, I mean, when we came to the playoffs, it was making sure, or, or just during the regular season, that 
all those games were important for everybody. And so, you know, they'd always take a look at the 1 through 12 standings because those are the important ones. Hmm. Uh, when did you become the uh, president of the SJHL, Bill? I started in May of 2011. Okay, 2011. How much has the, the league changed in your tenure outside of uh, that divisional alignment? Anything else that really uh, been transformative? Well, I think, you know, when it, when it comes to the, I mean, it's like uh, hockey in general um, has changed to the degree of, you know, the, the speed of the game is increased, uh, the player safety is increased. Uh, you know, it's more an emphasis on the skill part of the game, uh, you know, than, than the physical part of the game. Uh, and, and I think that's really, you know, shown a, a skill part of the game has really shown an increase in the last number of years in our league. Uh, you know, we're still, you know, a wee bit older, but not that much older than some of the other leagues. Of course, the, the CJHL rule is the maximum of nine 20 year olds, and we have um, the maximum of eight 20 year olds. Uh, in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. So it makes us a little bit younger than we have been. Uh, makes it competitive to try and attract those younger players, which I think, you know, the coaches and the teams are doing a better job at and, and have been doing a good job. But it's uh, it's uh, it's tough to get those kids to committed to uh, to come out and play sometimes. I was, was going to ask about the overage uh, limit. Uh, that's a, a question from a, a listener that I'll get to a little bit later. We'll get back to that. In a minute, um, I've been asking the other uh, presidents and commissioners that I've been having on the show here this month, just what the uh, how much authority you have to make changes on your own, or is it done by committee through uh, governors or or whoever it's set up in the SJHL? Uh, how how do you go about if you wanted to make a rule change like the divisional uh, realignment? Um, is that done by committee, or do you just do that yourself? No, it's all done through committee and basically governors. I mean. You know, obviously, you know, the the conversation, you know, for the most part start, starts off as a casual conversation. You know, uh, it's coaches that see a lot of things that, you know, they're involved in the game on a day-to-day basis. And, and they're, you know, seeing what, what the other leagues and other higher leagues are changing to. And, you know, sometimes those ideas come from that. And sometimes it's just ideas that come out of, you know, because you're involved in the game on a day-to-day basis. And so... You know, from there, that conversation carries on into a governor's meeting and, you know, it's brought to the governors and, you know, and the, and the coaches have their say. And uh, I've asked of my opinion as to, you know, what would make the league better. And, and then, uh, you know, the government, governors have the final say as to the vote as to, you know, whether that change goes through or not. Uh, where are you based out of, Bill? I'm based out of Prince Albert. Uh, no team in Prince Albert, though. So are you traveling a lot? Uh, well, I, I do travel a lot, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, I put on probably, I've averaged probably over the last eight, nine years. It's, it's somewhere close to that, between that 27 and 32,000 kilometers a year across the province a couple times, and then plus playoffs and all that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just being there and, and involved kind of thing. And, so, you know, it, it involves quite a bit of travel. And if you don't like driving, it's probably not a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the, there's a lot of people that have to do that in the in the hockey world, that's for sure. Um, I, I got to ask you about the, uh, the Humboldt Broncos situation. And it was obviously the, the bus tragedy uh, from a couple of, well, I guess, what, about 18 months ago now. Last season, was there a bit of a... A dark cloud that kind of hung over everything, and or what was the the mood around the league last year? No, I you know I I don't think uh, I don't wouldn't I wouldn't want to say it was a dark cloud. I I would want to say that it was a concern cl- uh, cloud and a cloud of uh, you know just being aware and conscientious of 
of people and, and, you know, what people were going through and, and how people were handling things and, and, you know, in, in that regard. But, you know, I think uh, for the most part when, uh, you know, Humboldt played, I mean, uh, nobody, you know, went out of their way and gave them any uh, soft games, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody knew that they were there to compete and, and uh, everybody competed hard and a lot of good games. And I mean, it, you know, they went to the second round of the playoffs and, and, you know, they got knocked out in the, in the second round. So, I mean, you know, they had a competitive team, which was good. And then that was, you know, the biggest uh, factor. And then, you know, um, I, you know, a lot of uh, work went into making that team competitive. Uh, and so, you know, you know, obviously they, they needed to be recognized or should be recognized for the efforts they put into that. Well, the league was certainly in the, in the, uh, uh, spotlight uh, after that tragedy and, and I mean everybody in the hockey world and south of the border ESPN TSN everybody really uh, rallied behind the uh, the Broncos and the SJHL I don't know how to word it properly but it almost feel like there was a bit of pressure to to respond last year and and to to build positively moving forward after such a tragic event well there there was I mean obviously when you have that many eyes on you and and things like that uh you know you're you're under the microscope uh and and for the most part uh things were you know positive uh you know microscopes i guess if you want to put it in that phrase uh you know but i think you know but you know it's it's a team right and so that team is run by uh the specific organization so I, i mean i think they probably had more pressure on them uh to be have some type of success or be able to move forward and in, in which they did, you know, I mean, everything that they did, uh, you know, I mean, from the opening game being nationally broadcast uh, to every move that they made was, was obviously, uh, you know, under the microscope. So uh, a lot of positives came uh, out of everything that they accomplished and they did. And, and again, you know, I mean, it went, uh, there was a lot of work by a volunteer board, uh, you know, and, and, uh, volunteers that, uh, you know, took the tickets at the gate and, you know, that, that just, you know, they just went to work and they got things done. Bill Chow is the president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, my guest here on the pipeline show in our Ask the Commission or Ask the President, uh, segment uh, here today. Uh, let's get to some of the questions from the audience and Lucas Pancari, who writes for the paper there in Prince Albert, uh, submitted a couple of questions. Uh, the first is, uh, we're through five editions of the SJHL draft. How do you feel it's working out? Well, I think the draft has made, uh, you know, teams uh, all work hard and, and diligently to make sure that they're drafting players that they want to draft and, and doing some homework on them. Uh, you know, I think uh, it, it has probably made it uh, put teams on a bit more of a level playing field when the draft was imp- introduced uh, because now, you know, players, it wasn't so much uh, that players don't have any control over where they go, but it was more of a team's decision on, on who they wanted to recruit. So I think that made things work uh, a little bit more across the board when it comes to the 12 teams, uh, you know, throughout the league and throughout the province. So was there a concern before the draft was implemented that uh, there was a bit of an imbalance when it came to recruiting? There was, you know, the, the haves and the have-not teams maybe to maybe for lack of a better uh, phrase? Well, you know, I, I guess, you know, we, we could, you know, use that phrase as a bit of a have, have not. I think, you know, in some instances, I think there were some teams that had a little bit of an easier uh, way of recruiting than other teams did. 
Um, and I think that, you know, with the draft, uh, that, you know, leveled that playing field out. Lucas's other question is, uh, how can the league keep talented young players in the province instead of them heading uh, elsewhere upon leaving Midget AAA? He uses the example of Harrison Bladell, who uh, was in the BCHL this year, and Luke Reed, who was uh, in the BCHL a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, you know, I, and I think with one or maybe even both of those players, I actually believe it was a family move that created those situations. But, you know, it does happen, and it does happen, uh, you know, the other way as well. Uh, you know, obviously, I think all the provinces would like their players to stay in their own province and play. But, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's um, you know, for a lack of a better term, it's a it's a free world. And, you know, and sometimes uh, people think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And, and I think, you know, in the long run, I think when, you know, if you were to really do a study into it for all the players that leave, there's the majority of those end up probably coming back. Uh, you know, in my eight years that, you know, I've been involved with the league directly, uh, you know, let's just say that, you know, I mean, there's been more than 10, but if 10 left, I'm sure that eight probably return at some point in time in their career. All right. Uh, Bill, I mentioned the, uh, the overage question was coming and this one is, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. You, ha- you have it at eight. Why not go even younger? I know, I think it's six in the AJHL if I'm, I might be incorrect on that. I, and I believe I had Kevin, Kevin Abrams on, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, chairman of the CJHL and, and he overlooks the, the CCHL. I think it was six in his league as well. Why eight? Well, uh, you know, again, it's one of those things. It's one of those questions that, you know, is brought up by the coaches and, and discussed with the coaches and then uh, brought forward to the governors. And, you know, and I think, I, I think when you have a, a major triple A league in Saskatchewan that, uh, has a tendency to attract some of those 17-year-olds and keep some of those 17-year-olds a little bit longer than maybe some of these other leagues, it becomes a bit of a challenge because you can't bring in a 17-year-old from out of province, right? So they can't transfer between province and province. So you're recruiting 17-year-olds to come and play, or younger, you know. Uh, but with, with the with the AAA league in Saskatchewan, I mean, they, they've done a great job, and they're very competitive because they're – you know, usually in that uh, Talus Cup, uh, challenging for the you know the regionals or it's the national event. So they they've got strong teams, which means you know they've got some of those older players, and some of those players are first year seventeen year olds that have maybe played midget double A. But regardless, you know that's that's a bit of a challenge for our teams to try and get those seventeen year olds up. But there's nothing saying that teams cannot have less than eight. And I think if you were to look at our roster, probably our roster averaged out probably at about five, if I'm not mistaken, last year okay. uh, for the number of 20-year-olds across the board. But that's a number that, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, reducing down to, you know, a lesser number than eight. But uh, right now with just the situation, and like I said previously, uh, with, uh, you know, those 17-year-olds that are playing, and I mean, uh, a lot of those, some of those players, you know, 17-year-olds, uh, they're attracted to the Western League, and, and so they go there to play. And so, uh, you know, it, and then some of those 17-year-olds stay in the mid-triple-A league. So it's a bit of a challenge when you're trying to recruit that 17-year-old. And so allowing, you know, that the teams to have, uh, you know, a higher age limit in some cases uh, isn't a bad thing for us just because then you don't have players on teams that maybe – aren't quite ready. I know that in BC, certainly BC, the uh, the Alberta Junior League has a, a number of teams that do it as well, but uh, attracting American players to, to come and play, uh, is uh, do you find a lot of Americans uh, ending up in the SJ? 
Yeah, we're finding more. Uh, obviously, you know, the, I think uh, my previous background in hockey, I've, I worked in the Western League as a scout for 28 years or whatever it was. But, I mean, the American players are, uh, you know, they've been improving uh, their skill level is, uh, I'm not going to say second to none, but it's getting up there. Uh, their team uh, game is becoming better. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of players that are looking for places to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, junior A hockey uh, is, is a place for them to, you know, move up a level. Uh, it's a competitive league, uh, obviously, in, in the, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. So in some cases, they're looking for more competition or a higher level of competition, which brings them up to the top, up to Canada. Bill, another uh, fan question or listener question, uh, no name on this one, but uh, the question is, any chance the SJHL fully digitizes its historical statistical record prior to the uh, 2010-11 season, uh, being individual games and, and uh, league records, things like that? Well, you know, we've uh, we've made those attempts, and, and I think what the issue is, there's it's been a number of times in which um, the SJHL has, trained, or has changed um suppliers i guess of of uh of the league stats and and uh the historical data right. and i think the biggest challenge there is is having that data and being able to archive it into a different system so that's that is a big challenge uh and and uh, we have discussed it but of course there's not a large staff in junior a hockey and so you're always trying to find different ways of doing things at a reduced cost and sometimes those are challenging uh times or challenging ways to do things i i noticed the the sjhl website and if i wanted to find stats and standings and, and things it's a it's a slightly different website with hockey tech involved uh so the kind of um second party all, all the stats and stuff like that yeah it's like through the year uh yeah well we have uh we have a volunteer that uh takes care of you know like the game stats and checks the game stats but i mean it's in each individual team has their own volunteers that do the 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 uh scorekeeping and and telling of the points and and the game game day uh game sheets that are uh you know put into the system and then we have one person that takes care of all that to verify everything. So okay. it's really a volunteer-based situation. And, uh, you know, and like I said, it's, there's a cost factor to everything. And so you're trying to make sure that, you know, whatever money you're having, you're spending it in an appropriate way. Uh, Michael has asked uh, anything in regards to expansion or are you comfortable with the current alignment? And my question al- along with that is just because of the, uh, the geography of where your teams are located through the province, there are some outliers, certainly Flin Flon is and LaRange are kind of up on their own, but even Kindersley playing in the, the division where they are, they're off on their own on the, the western side of the province. Are there some uh, some locations that you could consider uh, going into still? Well, there are. Uh, you know, I think the first two that would probably come to mind would be uh, there's a community, uh, Warman, uh, has has a nice facility. Um, a number of years ago, probably about, Five or six years ago, now there was some interest into possibly putting in a, an expansion team into that uh, community, and and you know they did a feasibility study, and, uh, and they didn't uh, deem it to be uh, feasible at that time. Um, there's been people that have you know inquired periodically, but uh, no group has come forward to you know um, pursue a, a new franchise into that community. So. You know, until uh, until somebody has the interest and desire to, you know, to because it's a lot of work. 
uh, you know, and to to put that fran- put to put a franchise into that community, you know, it'll stay you know vacant, I guess, if you want to put it that. But it's not like the SJHL has a hold on that community for a franchise either. Uh, the other community that I would think, you know, I mean, uh, it's been talked about off and on is uh, uh, Meadow Lake. You know, I think the, that may have a possibility of, of a franchise. But again, it's uh, it's up to the community to make that determination and uh, and whether they want to, you know, a, a junior A team and and go through that process of determining whether they can financially make it viable and make it work. What's your relationship, uh, or not yours personally, or yours personally, but uh, between the SJHL and the WHL? Because obviously there's some big markets where the WHL is located, and in Alberta we've got a couple of uh, uh, AJHL teams in around the Edmonton area, and they seem to, to live uh, well with the Edmonton Oil Kings here. Different sized markets, I understand that, but could you ever see the SJ get into Saskatoon or, or Regina or Moose Jaw? Well, again, you know, I mean, that would be driven by people that would have interest in putting teams in there. You know, obviously there's facilities that would be able to host a junior A team uh, in those communities that you mentioned. Uh, You know, and I mean, you know, with today's, you know, way things are, I mean, I'm not sure if it would be financially viable. I mean, Obviously, I you know we'd we'd sit and if somebody was that interested, we'd sit back and take a long hard look at it and make sure that they were structured in a financially viable manner. Uh, but you know, I mean, again, it would have, it would take a group of people that would want to have junior A hockey in those uh, locations. All right, the SJHL is one of ten CJHL leagues uh, under the CHL uh, CJHL umbrella uh, across the country, and this question isn't specific to to just yourself, but uh, when you're looking at uh, how you operate with the other nine CJHL leagues, do you feel like you have the necessary mechanisms to enforce rules on recruiting violations across the country? And and do you have confidence that all 10 leagues and all the teams in those leagues are abiding by the same rules? Well, I believe so. I mean, you know, there are rules within the CJHL that would really make it um, hazardous or, you know, it would cost you a lot of money if you were to break those rules, I guess is the easiest way of saying it, which is the truth. You know, so, I mean, there are rules in place, um, you know, and I think people have to realize or operators have to realize what those consequences are. Uh, you know, teams within my league are very well uh, informed as to what those consequences and those sanctions would be. So, you know, I, I just, you know, is it a fear factor? Absolutely, because, you know, I think it would probably cripple uh, some, if not all, any franchise that was, uh, that would, you know, break those or create violations within the recruiting, uh, uh, realms of, of, of junior A hockey. So I think it's, uh, you know, I think there are rules in place that, uh, would make it, uh, very difficult to break. Um, I mean, I guess there's the old saying that if you're not cheating, you're not trying. But I think in this case, if you're caught cheating, I think it could cost you your team. So I don't believe anybody in the SJHL would want to do that because we're all volunteer-based in Saskatchewan. They're all community-owned. So I don't think, you know, in, in, in the SJHL, I don't think there's that risk factor of, of somebody saying, well, you know what, uh, I'm above that and, and uh, you know, we'll just spend the money and do whatever we need to do to have a winning team. So I don't think, I don't see that in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. As for the other leagues, obviously, 
you know, they have to be held accountable. And I think, uh, you know, if uh, somebody breaks rules, obviously there's going to be somebody that knows and somebody's going to talk sooner or later. And then that's where it all comes out. And, uh, you know, the CJHL uh, would have to be challenged to deal with it. Bill, this question comes from Daryl. I don't know the background on, on what he's talking about, so uh, bear with me. And I don't know if this is a loaded question or not. But uh, his question is, is the Saskatchewan develop mo- development model working? He says there are two academy teams in the Saskatchewan Midget League taking away from the development of Saskatchewan players. Would the SJHL ever pressure the Saskatchewan Hockey Association to send them to the CSSHL? Well, the Saskatchewan development model has worked fairly well. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a, it's an agreement that between the mid to triple A league, the junior A league and the Western Hockey League, that there will be uh, constant communication when it comes to recruiting of players and that whatever is in the best interest of the player is what the team is supposed to do. I.e., if there's a kid, you know, playing midget that, you know, the junior A team wants to bring up and, you know, there's no conflicts of schedules or anything like that, then that communication is known. And so then that player gets to go and play up some games and no different than when it comes to the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League and the relationship that we have with the Western Hockey League. You know, there's kids that have, you know, played games in the Western Hockey League or they're committed to playing in the Western Hockey League that want to play and want to go up and down. And, and so, you know, we make that work uh, within within the Saskatchewan development model. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to the hockey academies and, and, and those types of things, you know, I mean, being, being around the game as long as I have been, you know, there's there's some of that factor of, of uh, players being removed from communities on their own choice uh, and going to these academies, which I think is a reflection of, uh, diminishing of some of those smaller communities and some of their uh, their minor hockey programs. So in that regard, but then again, um, you know, I mean, there's a cost factor for these players going to these academies, and and uh, it's a huge cost factor in, in some cases. And so, you know, uh, it, that part of it doesn't seem to be a deterrent for the players or for the parents, I guess, more importantly, because they're the ones that are footing the bill. Uh, and so... You know, is it, do I see that something that where we as, as a league would be promoting that? Uh, again, I don't think that's for us to be promoting one way or the other. I, I think those are decisions that parents and families need to make, uh, in making sure that, uh, you know, it's affordable and it's a viable option for them. Uh, um, you know, I think when teams or players can play at home and, and, uh, you know, it's the old saying, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. And I think uh, some people are forgetting that uh, that common factor. All right. Thanks for that, Bill. Uh, last subject I wanted to, to uh, uh, talk about with you was the um, the ongoing class action lawsuit against the CHL. And, and if you have any concerns with how that could trickle down and affect uh, your league and, and, in fact, amateur sport uh, across the country, uh, your, your players uh, travel, they have long bus rides too. I mean, going kindersley to uh to estevan uh, i don't know how long of a trip that is or Balliford up to flin flon uh, but time on the bus and i'm sure there's community uh, uh outreach that all the teams do going to schools or, or hospitals or whatever um do you have any concerns about uh what happens with the class action lawsuit against the chl um you mean the one regarding the minimum wage thing? yes yes if, i mean if players yeah. are going to get paid in the whl for traveling on the bus and going to see kids in schools 
How does that affect you? Well, uh, you know, uh, I think it, it's a short answer. I think uh, you would see a lot of teams being folded up because, uh, you know, in, in our cases, in, uh, you know, in our league, uh, we're all community-owned teams. Um, and so, you know, if, if the players would want to get paid, I, I think you would have volunteers wanting to get paid as well uh, for, for the time and the efforts that they put in. Uh, you know, so I think it would be really detrimental to junior hockey in Saskatchewan if if, uh, if that was to become uh, the law uh, per se, and and I think that would be the death of uh, of a lot of junior A teams and leagues across the country, uh, in my opinion. But I could be wrong. Uh, but that would be my that's that would be my opinion. I mean, right now the lawsuit is not uh, involving the CJHL, but. If it went through against the CHL and and it passed, you just I I don't know how it wouldn't trickle down to your league eventually, um, and that's that's how you see it as well. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I don't see how you could avoid that from happening uh, because you know I mean you you have you make a good point, uh, Guy, when you when you say it in that fashion that well you know how could you stop it from not trickling down to junior hockey. Uh, I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the Western Hockey League is a great league and everything else, but the difference between the Western Hockey League and the Junior A leagues across Canada, I mean, I mean, there's a difference, but there's no difference in the way that things are done. I mean, there's a different level of player, but but everything else is pretty much done the same way when it comes to you know the the class action lawsuit that we're talking about. And lastly, before we uh, go, what uh, what else is on the horizon here for the SJHL? What what's in store for the rest of the summer for you? And what can fans look forward to uh, starting here in uh, I guess camps and opening up in August and all that? Well, camps are opening up. I think last year, you know, just to kind of touch on a couple of highlights. I mean, last year we had a probably pretty close to about a fourteen to fifteen percent increase in fan base or fans at the gate, so which was nice to see. Uh, obviously, I think that has a lot to do with how competitive the league is. So, I mean, hopefully that'll stay uh, that direction and keep on going in that direction and uh, attracting more people out to the buildings. I think you know when it comes to like I mean last year. I mean, and playoffs are a little bit different because you you don't have the same teams in the playoffs. But, I mean, we pretty much doubled our attendance for the playoffs. But then we had some series that, you know, we're going six and seven games where the previous year, you know, we had games that were going four or five, which makes a big difference over the long haul of the playoffs. But so I think it's a really a competitive league. I think it's really attractive for young people to come out and play into. I think, you know, I mean, the teams are doing as good of a job as possible to recruit players. And I think it's exciting. It's a good junior A hockey, and I think uh, the the value of what you're getting for the ticket that you're paying for is, I think, is great great value for for what you're going to get. Outstanding, Bill. I really appreciate you taking the time here in July, and uh, look forward to uh, getting into a, an SJHL rink uh, hopefully in the near future, so I can uh, check it out for myself. All right, thanks for the call. That was uh, Bill Chow, the uh, president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Uh, thanks to him for making the time, and thanks to you, the listeners, who provided a lot of those questions. I hope uh, you're happy with the answers that you got. I know there were some that came in after the interview as well, and they would have been good questions uh, on top of the ones that were asked. So I apologize that uh, didn't get those ones in, but I think every question that was submitted, to some degree at least, the subject was covered if the question wasn't asked almost verbatim uh, word for word to what what was submitted so thanks to you the audience for sending those questions in 
as I mentioned in the last segment, uh, but just in case you're hearing just this particular segment, uh, we had so far we've had Kevin Abrams, the head of the CJHL, the chairman. We had him on. Uh, we had uh, Ron Robinson from the Western Hockey League. Uh, earlier in this same show this week, we had Gilles Courteau from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I do have a set date for when I will uh, be speaking about the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. And requests are in for the OHL, the USHL, the NAHL, and the KIJHL. And hopefully I get the uh, commissioners or presidents uh, from those respective leagues on before the end of July, before the end of season 14. There's this week, and then uh, three more shows in season 14 before I take a one-week vacation and come back with season 15, which will debut the week of uh, August uh, 11th to the 17th, so probably around the 15th, 16th of August will be the start of uh, season 15 here on the Pipeline Show. Boy, that went quick. Uh, But if there is another league out there that you want to hear from, and uh, the NCHC and the Atlantic Hockey Conference is out of uh, the NCAA, they're on my agenda too. I actually have not uh, put in the request yet, but I will because uh, fans requested uh, to hear about those leagues too. And if there are others that you want to hear from, uh, please let me know. You can get me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. All right, one more segment to go on this week's episode of the show. We're going to head to uh, the Chicago area. We're going to speak with a uh, player agent or a family advisor because he's uh, south of the border and probably will handle a lot of college guys. Uh, His name is Colby Drost. He heads up Paragon Sports Consulting. We'll chat with him next here on the Pipeline Show. Here comes Jaden Schwartz, pulls the trigger, pants into the deck, he scores! What a finish! Yeah, this kid's just special. Jaden Schwartz is just a special, special player. Hi, this is Jaden Schwartz from Colorado College. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Joe Pavelski. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Johnny Gaudreau. And Tori Krupp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! 